there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Well, I want us to go to the Word of God quickly. And this morning, by the grace of God, I want to speak on the subject, the acres of diamond. The acres of diamond. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I will stop there. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to us today. Touch us and minister to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody say the acres of diamond. Turn to another one and tell them acres of diamond. Now there is a man by the name Russell Cornwell who was a rich man, a wealthy man who later on became a preacher who was touring the Holy Land in the 1800s. And the thing that changed his life was the story that the Arab guide that was assigned to him told him one night by the campfire. He put that little story into a little book which became a bestseller in the 1800s. It sold 7 million copies and he used the proceeds, you know, to be able to build the Temple University, which is still standing today. Now, here is the story that this Arab guide gave to this gentleman. He told him about a man in South Africa by the name Ali Hafeb, who owned a large farm with orchards, grain fields, and beautiful gardens. He lived on this farm with his wife and his children. And because he was able to take care of his family through this farm, he was a content man. He was a very happy man because according to uh, the standards of those days, he was a very, very wealthy man. And then one day it happened that there was a Buddhist priest who was passing through that particular area. And he came to his land and he saw how hard he worked. And he said to him, it is a shame that you have to work this way. You are really toiling. You are really struggling. Look at you the way you are breaking your back. Trying you know, to feed your family. And he told him if you could only get diamonds. You will be a very very wealthy man. And, and, and Ali Hafid asked him. <clears throat> Where can I find the diamonds? And the man answered and said. If you find a river between high mountains. That runs through white sands, in whose are white sands, you will always find the diamonds. And so that night, this gentleman called Ali Hafid could not sleep. After being told that there are diamonds out there, he could not sleep well. He went to bed, a poor and a very discontent man. And he started thinking about the diamonds that he's supposed to, you know, get so that he may be wealthy. 
And then after a while, after thinking about it, he decided to go and search for diamonds that he may be rich. So what did he do? He sold his farm, you know, and he hugged his wife and children. And he told them that I've already prepared a temporal place for you to be able to stay. You know, he handed them over to a neighbor so that the neighbor could be able to take care of them while he's out there looking for diamonds. His final declaration was, when I come back, after finding the diamonds, we shall be fabulously rich. And so the guy set out, you know, to go and look for diamonds. He went to East Africa and he could not find the diamonds. And then he decided to go to Palestine and still he could not find the diamonds. And then he traveled to Europe, but still he could not find the diamonds. And finally he ended up in Spain and he was broke and frustrated, but still he could not find the diamonds. Finally, out of frustration, he decided enough is enough. I can't go back and face my wife and children. I'm so embarrassed. I promised them that they will be rich, but it looked like I cannot find the diamonds that have been told are out here. And so he decided to end his life. He stood on a shore of a river and jumped into the raging water to his death. Then there was a gentleman who bought the land from Al-Hafid. And one day while he was walking his camel to go and drink, you know, from the nearby stream of water, he saw a light which caught his eye. So, so he reached out into the waters and pulled out this black stone which had a very high refractive index. It was radiating rainbow colors when it was under the rays of the sunlight. And he took it to his house because it was very captivating to him. He took it to his house and he put it over the fireplace in his living room. Then one day, a priest came by his house and saw the black stone, you know, that was over the fireplace in his living room. And his jaw dropped and he looked at it and he was wondering, does this guy understand what he has in his house? And so he asked him, where did you get this particular stone that I see over the fireplace? And the man said, I got it in the river in my farm that I bought from a gentleman by the name Ali Hafid. Then he shouted and said, that is a diamond. He said, where did you pick it from? Take me to that place. And they went down to the river. And when they stirred up the sands of that river with their fingers, countless diamonds appeared. The land that Ali Hafid despised and decided to sell that he may go out there and look for diamonds was the very land that had lots of diamonds. This land became the diamond mine of Golconda, the most magnificent diamond mine in history. The crown jewels born, or rather the crown jewels worn by the royalty, including the Queen of England, came from this very mine. What is the moral of the story? If Ali Hafid had thoroughly explored what he had before looking elsewhere, all of his wildest dreams will have come true. He left his wife. He left his children. 
He left his family. He traveled to far countries, squandered his money, and flung himself into a river over something he had had all along. It was right under his feet. He was living, ladies and gentlemen, in acres of diamond. So many times, ladies and gentlemen, we are like Ali. We wish that we had something that is out there that we don't have. Some people say, if I had that kind of life, if I had that kind of job, if I had lived in that house, if I can only drive this kind of car, then I think I'll be very happy. I'll be very rich. I'll be very wealthy. Some people see edited photos on IG and Facebook, and they see the restaurants that people go to, the food and the clothes that they wear, the travel destinations that people go to, and they say, if I can only have that kind of life, I think I'll be very, very happy. And they don't know that some of those photos are edited. And some of those pictures have been photoshopped. Some look at other churches. They look at their church and they look at other churches and they say, if I can only be a member of this church and be under this prophet who looks like he's more anointed than my pastor, I think I will experience a lot of miracles. I think I'll be married faster or I'll get a breakthrough faster. Or I'll buy a house faster. Because our pastor never announces seven ways or seven steps to your breakthrough every Sunday. I think I should move to that church so that my breakthrough can come quickly. Some singles, you know, look at some husbands or some wives and say, I wish I can get such a husband. Or I wish I can get such a wife. I think if I get such a husband or such a wife, I'll be a very happy man. I'll be famous. I'll be rich. In fact, we'll be, we'll be walking on the streets, holding, our, holding each other's hands, and people will be admiring us. But they don't know. Some of those people who are walking, holding their hands, they have just been fighting. Ten minutes ago, they were fighting. And so holding hands is a cover-up, so that you may not really understand. I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm preaching about some people who are not in this service today. We always think that there is something out there that will make us happy. We always think that we need to travel, we need to move places, we need to tread spouses, we need to change things for us to be able to be happy. But let me tell you, like Al Hafid, sometimes what we have is what we are trying to look to what we are trying to look for out there. What God has already given us is what we are trying to look out there. What we possess is the very thing that we think if we go out there and search in different places we may be able to find. We don't understand that we are actually living in acres of diamond. I need to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that we are living in the best days of our lives. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said we are living in the best days of our lives. I don't even desire to be in the days of Moses. I don't even desire to be in the days of Paul the Apostle. I don't even desire to be in the days of Joshua. I am living in the best days of my life because what they experience, I can also experience. Come on. 
What, what they experience, the tangible power of God, I can also experience it. We are living in the best days of our lives. We are surrounded with countless diamonds that we need to discover and explore. I want you to know that if God has given you a family, it is a beautiful family, that is your acre of diamonds. If, if, if you're married, I want you to understand that that is your acre of diamonds. Whatever God has given you, if it is a job, I want you to understand that that is an opportunity for you to access diamonds. You don't have to look beyond the fence. If you see the grass that is greener in your neighbor's fence, it's because he's watering it. And you can have the same grass if you are ready to pay the electricity bill. And the water bill as well. Because all of us, we are surrounded with acres upon acres of diamond. Look at your neighbor and tell them you have it. Can I go a little bit deeper? You are in one of the best churches in the world. Oh, I thought I would hear a better amen in this house. Oh, yes. You, you are in a place where miracles take place. You are in a place where the power of God is available. You are in the place where the impossible can become possible. So you don't need to look around and say, maybe I need to move. Maybe I need to get a prophet. Maybe I need to get this. Maybe I need to get this. Look here. The word of God is being preached. Worship is taking place in this place. Teachings are taking place here. This place is an acre of diamond. And so everything that you are looking for, if you can just open your eyes, it's here. It is here. It is in your house. It is around you. It is in your life. You are living in acres of diamond. Look at your neighbor and tell them you are the one pastor is preaching about. Hallelujah. You know, there are people who complain, I don't like my job. Oh, I don't like where I live. I don't like even my age. I don't like my gender. I don't like even my skin color. Uh, they are dissatisfied with what they have. They are dissatisfied with what God has given unto them. And they keep on wishing, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I acquired this. I wish I had this land. And you're always complaining and grumbling. You are discontent. Look, there is somebody who can take your very... Uh, the very circumstances that you are in and make something out of it. There is somebody who can be given the job you have and make something great out of it. There is somebody who can take your business and become wealthy. There is somebody who can marry your wife. Oops. And bring the beauty out of her. There is somebody who can marry your husband. And your husband will look younger than the way he looks now. And so stop complaining. Stop complaining and stop wishing that you can go out there and look for some things. Because the things that you are looking for, they are right where you are. Look at your neighbor and tell them you have them. They are all around you. That's why Paul tells us in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding must be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That means when your eyes are open, you will start seeing diamonds around you. 
When your eyes will be open, you will start seeing the blessings that God has positioned around you. When your eyes are open, you will start seeing the riches of the glory of his inheritance around you. When, you, when your eyes are open and your and your understanding is enlightened, you will start seeing great opportunities that God has tailor-made for you to propel your life to the next level. So stop wishing that you can have what your neighbor has. Stop wishing that you can have what your brothers have. Stop wishing that you could travel to America for you to become rich. Even in Kenya, you can make it. Even in Nairobi, you can make it. Even here where you are, you can make it. I wish I had a witness in this house. You are living in acres of diamonds. Tell your neighbor you can make it here. Hallelujah. You don't have to change your skin color. You can make it as a black man. And as a black woman. Hallelujah. Stop changing things in your life. You can make it just the way you are. You don't even need to change your accent. You can still make it with your accent as well. You are living in acres of diamond. All you need to do is to open your eyes. I wish I had a witness in this house. You need to open your eyes and you begin to see opportunities all around you for your life to be able to move to the next level. I pray that may your eyes be open. I pray that may your understanding be enlightened. I pray that may you start seeing diamonds all around you. May you start seeing opportunities all around you. May you start seeing doors that God has positioned in your life to propel you to the next level. Who am I preaching to in this house? May your eyes be opened in the name of Jesus. Touch your neighbor and tell them I'm praying for you. That your eyes may be open. Look, there is nothing wrong with your children. Your children are okay. Their destiny is already set by God. Don't start putting pressure on your children. I want you to be like so-and-so. I want you to be like so-and-so. I want you to be like so-and-so. They should ask you if you wanted so-and-so, why didn't you give birth to so-and-so? The problem is not me. The problem is your seed. Use what God has given you. Take those children and begin to talk greatness in their lives. Take those children and begin to mentor them. Begin to tell them you are the head and not the tail. I wish I had a witness in this house. Begin to tell them you are leaders. Begin to tell them that you will be successful. Begin to tell them that none of you will be poor. Begin to tell them you will not end up in prison in the name of Jesus. I lay my hands on you and I speak blessings over your life. I pull out every diamond inside of you. May beauty be seen. And you start seeing them boom, 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 blossoming, 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 blossoming. Stop comparing them with your neighbors. You are, you are living in acres of diamond. Can we go a little bit deeper? Sit down. Now, let me share with you factors that trigger the enlightenment of one's eyes of understanding. The Bible says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So what are the factors that will open up your eyes to this great understanding? Number one, you must recognize what you have. You must recognize what you have. Each of us is uniquely created by God and is a carrier of a unique treasure. Everybody here, you are carrying something inside of you. Everybody here, there's an endowment. There's a special, unique treasure that God has deposited in your life. God can never allow you to come here on earth when you are empty. He only allows you to come after he has put something inside of you. That's why God tells Jeremiah, before you were formed, I knew you. Do you understand? He tells, David says that God knitted him in his mother's womb. He, knitted, he put him together. There are things that he put inside David. He put inside of you. While you are in your mother's womb. And you must recognize that you are a carrier of something. Tell your neighbor, I'm carrying something inside of me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so when you recognize this, then you will not be jealous of other people. Because many times what we do is we look at what other people have, which is something that is pronounced in their lives, and we become very jealous of them. It's like we want it. Then we enter into, um, into this competing thing. You start competing with them. And you're trying to compete with somebody who has been graced to function. And you, you are not being graced to function in that thing. And so you become more frustrated. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, yesterday I was telling Minister Dennis, we were talking about another artist who sings. And I told him, I realized they are singers and they are gifted singers. Everybody can sing. Tell your neighbor, open your mouth and sing right now. Ah, everybody can sing. Sing in the shower, sing in the car, whatever. We have singers and we have gifted singers. So ask your neighbor, you a gifted singer or you're just a singer who makes joyful noise? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let us make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's where you come in. Ladies and gentlemen, let us sing skillfully to the Lord. So there are people who are uniquely gifted. Alright? And sometimes their gifts are very pronounced. And if you're not careful, you will try and compete with them. And the more you compete with that particular person, the more frustrated you become. Because you're not graced in that area. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But each and every one of us, you are a carrier of something. Look at a neighbor with pride and tell them, I'm a carrier of something. Mm -hmm. Tell them again, I'm a carrier of something. Oh my goodness. I might not sing like you, but I'm a carrier of something. I might not preach like you, but I'm a carrier of something. I might not dress like you, but I'm a carrier of something. Hallelujah. I might dress until a chameleon is confused. He doesn't know which color to turn to. But I'm a carrier of something. Second Corinthians chapter 4. 
The Bible says, but we have this treasure. Wow. We have this treasure. Somebody shout treasure. Is that a shout? Shout it again, treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Which are these earthen vessels? It's you and I. There is a treasure that God has put inside of us. Now, what is a treasure? A treasure is something of great worth. A treasure is wealth of any kind or in any form. A treasure is a collection of precious things. You're talking about money. Money is a treasure. Jewels, treasure. Precious metals. Those are treasures. Riches, those are treasures. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a treasure inside of you. There might not be money in your pocket right now, but there is money inside of you. Oh, Jesus. Help me preach in this house. Because nobody here was born with money in their hands. There might not be money in your bank account, but there is money inside of you. You might not be wearing a bling bling this morning, but there's a bling bling inside of you. Ah, I love this. My goodness. There is a treasure inside of each and every one of us seated here. So you are not empty. You are a carrier of something. And you have to recognize that God has put something inside of you. And it's just a matter of time before what is inside is manifested. Oh, my goodness. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, neighbor, watch this space. Because something that I carry inside of me is about to come out. I prophesy before the year is over, the treasure inside of you will come out in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout a better yes in this house. Sit down. A treasure also is a gift. It's talent. Spiritual endowments that God has put inside of you. So you can see that you are a, you are a loaded individual. It's gifts. Endowments. Jewels. Money. Precious metals. Inside of you. Oh my goodness, look at you. You are loaded. Hallelujah. Kamogoda is inside of you. My goodness, you are loaded. Look at the name and give them high five and tell them I'm loaded. Oh my goodness, I'm loaded. The devil is a liar who has been telling you you are empty. I came to remind you this morning that you are loaded. I am preaching to acres of diamond in this house. And so you have to recognize that there is a treasure inside of you. Now look at verse 8. Can we go a little bit deeper? Verse 8. Give me, give me, give me, give me. We are hard pressed. Because of the treasure, we are hard pressed. Alright? I wish you can give me from the KGV translation of the Bible. It says, we are troubled. Tell your neighbor, I'm troubled. It says, we are troubled on every side. But, we are not distressed. We are perplexed. But, not in despair. Look at verse 9. We are persecuted, but not. Uh -huh. And then we are cast down, but. Do you know why you're troubled? 
Do you know why you're perplexed? Do you know why you're cast down? Because you're carrying something inside of you. Nobody throws stones on a tree that doesn't have fruit. The reason why you're going through what you're going through is because you're carrying something inside of you. And the devil is not happy. But regardless of what he does, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. We are troubled on every side. But look at us, we are still here. Kicking and moving. Because God is determined to accomplish what he has started inside of us. So when you go through trouble, I want you to know, it's because of what you carry. Because what you are carrying attracts what you are going through. Did you hear what I say? What you are carrying attracts what you are going through. But there is encouragement here that no matter what is, what is thrown at you, you will still survive. I'm preaching to survivors. I say I'm preaching to survivors. That's why COVID-19 came twice. And you are still here. They thought your business will go down. It has picked up again. They thought the church will be finished. We are back with a bang. Because we carry the treasure of God inside of us. Can I have a witness in this house? Hey, what a message. Number two, another factor that will open your eyes to this kind of revelation, to understand the echoes of diamond you're living in, is don't despise your treasure. Don't despise your treasure. You see, the mistake of this guy Ali Hafid, the, mix, the mistake that he made was to despise what he had. He looked at his land. He despised his land. Looked at the camels that he had, the orchards that he had, all these beautiful gardens that he had. He despised what he had and decided to sell it to go out there to look for what was not even out there. Do you know that's how many of us are? We look at what we have and despise it. Look at your job, you despise it. Look at your family, you despise it. Look at your marriage, you despise it. And you think if you can only have the marriage of Alejandro. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, do you know who Alejandro is? Huh? Huh? If your husband can have the body that Alejandro has, ah, you'll be on top of the world. John chapter 6. It gives us the same attitude that we see in the, in the life of Philip and Andrew. They had this kind of attitude, despising what they had. You see, there was this great multitude that had followed Jesus. And Jesus asked them, what are we going to do? But the Bible says Jesus himself knew what to do in that situation. And so Philip comes to Jesus and the way he speaks, we can see that he has the attitude of despising what was available. Verse 7, this is what he said. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. He despised even the money that was available. Yes, the crowd and the need was bigger than the resources. But look, they were also around Jehovah Jireh. 
What did Andrew say in verse 9? There is a lad here who has five loaves, five barley loaves, and two small fish. But what are they among so men? He also despised what the child was carrying. But if you continue to read the story, you realize that Jesus just wanted to get the available resource, no matter how limited it was, to work with. That's all he wanted. He just wanted to know, what do we have? What do we have? Yes, the crowd is enormous and people are hungry. They are almost fainting on their way. But what do we have? And they highlighted this attitude that people have of despising what they have. I only have 10,000 shillings. What will that do? I only have 2,000 shillings. What will that do? I only have 500 shillings. What will that do? I only have a small job. What will that do? I need to win a lottery. <laughs> uh, I need to play what? These things people play to get money. I need to bet. I need to betika or something and get money. This job of mine will never deliver me from poverty. But look, anything that is insignificant, when you put it in the hand of God, it multiplies. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this house. It multiplies. It is in whose hand it is that determines the potential of that thing. If it is just in your hand, it is limited. But take the five loaves. Take the two fish. Take the 200 denarii and put them in the hands of Jesus and it multiplies. That's what I'm telling you. You should not despise what you have. As insignificant as it looks, it still has the potential to multiply and deliver outstanding results in your life. Tell your neighbor, don't despise what you have. Tell them again, don't despise what you have. Hallelujah. That little house that you have built, celebrate that house. The milestone you have made in your life, celebrate your milestones. And don't be intimidated. Because sometimes when you're around people and you, you, are, you are celebrating thousands and you're around people and they're talking about billions, hey, you become intimidated. Don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. Celebrate what you have and make sure it is in the hands of the master because it will keep on multiplying. Hallelujah. Don't despise your small car. Drive it with joy. Mm -hmm. You know, small cars, sometimes you are even harassed on the road. Isn't it? When a V8 passes, pours water on top of the entire car because it's very small. The mud covers the entire car. Just switch on your wiper and say, Lord, I thank you for humble beginnings, for small beginnings. I know you will multiply my humble beginnings. And you will make, it, will make my humble beginnings become great in the name of Jesus. But don't sit there, you're driving, you're complaining. Oh, some people, they're selling drugs. That's, <laughs> that's why they're driving big cars. And you're murmuring and you're complaining, you're bitter, you get to your house. You channel all your frustrations to your children. And your children are wondering, what happened to dad? 
is because somebody with a V8 overtook you and splashed water. <laughs> and it covered your car and mud. And you are mad and you are angry. Don't despise. I say don't despise. Humble beginnings. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Last week I sent a picture of the house, my first house. That was my first house when I left my father and mother. It was my first house. Every piece of furniture you see in that picture, I did not buy. It was a donation. That table, it was a donation. The seats were donated by my pastor. The bed I was sleeping in, it was donated by, by my pastor. The mattress, donate, everything, the kitchen, donated. And the house that I was living in, there was a pastor who was living in that house. So I came in in the middle of the month to enjoy the rent. <laughs> Humble beginnings. 750 shillings was the rent every month. But I'm telling you, it was killing me. That was a lot of money. I was wondering, how can this guy take 750 shillings? Because my salary was 4,000. So when I removed the tithe, tithe was 400. Then I pay rent 750. Then I've just fallen in love with a lady. I need to impress her. It was humble beginnings. But I didn't despise humble beginnings. Look, at that particular point, I was looking at that picture. At that particular point, I could not see this. I'll tell you the truth. I couldn't see this. I couldn't see myself here preaching to you. But God saw it. That's why the Bible says, throw your beginning. Job chapter 8, verse 7. Though your beginning might be small. Can you give me that? Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. That was then. Look at me now. Speaking to the world. Preaching to multitudes. Eh? A preacher that is on high demand. Who can miss his church for two Sundays? Because people want him to preach in their church. I mean, it's the doing of the Lord. That's why you should never despise humble beginnings. In fact, you need to go through those humble beginnings so that you build your testimony. So that when somebody comes and tells you, oh, you've never suffered, you've never gone any th through anything, you've never slept hungry, you, we know you, we saw you with a suit, we saw you with a tie, you pull out the picture. Uh-huh. And show them I've been there. I know what it means to go to bed without food. I have been there. I know what it means to come and preach. To come and lead worship. And go to a house that doesn't have food. I have been there. I know what it means to put your mattress on the floor. And sleep. And hope that you can actually catch sleep until morning. I have been there. Don't tell me I've not gone through it. It was my humble beginnings. You are seeing now, but come and sit with me. I tell you, there is a story behind every glory. Don't despise humble beginnings. 
Because you are living in acres of diamonds. And it is in those days that God was making me. God was refining me. God was teaching me faith. There's a day I practically, practically prayed for lunch. There was no food in my house. I say, oh God, please send somebody to bring me food. Because I'm hungry and I'm not fasting. And I went to the kitchen and I took my plate and put it on the table with a fork and I waited. Then somebody knocked on the door. I went. It was one of my worship team members. And this is what she said. You know, she used to have a very small voice. You know, when I was cooking, I don't know. You know, you, it's like you, you, your face kept on flashing, flashing. <laughs> and I said, why is your face flashing, flashing? Then I felt maybe God wants me to bring you like, so I brought you like, I said, bring it. You are an answered prayer. <laughs> Humble beginnings. I had faith for food. And I'm telling you, I still have faith for a magnificent building. For a cathedral. The same faith that brought me lunch is the same faith that will make us build a beautiful cathedral. And it shall be built in the name of Jesus. Who am I preaching to in this house? Touch your neighbor and tell them, don't despise. Don't despise. Humble beginnings. And I'm glad I went through those experiences. Sometimes I see young preachers come to me and say, oh, we are suffering. I say, suffer. <laughs> because if I will talk about a process, if you skip the process, you are, a, you are a spring chicken. You know a spring chicken? They make it skip a process. A chicken is supposed to stay for many years for it to mature, for you to eat it. Now they have skipped the process. It is two weeks. The guy is ready. No wonder when you eat it, you don't enjoy it. Every time I visit my mom and she puts chicken on the table, I tell her, oh my goodness, what are we eating in Nairobi? Because it has skipped what? A process. No wonder when a cold comes, it puts you down. You're coughing as if you have COVID. <coughs> you cough until your neighbors wake up in the middle of the night. And it's only a cough. Because there's a process that was skipped. As far as what you're consuming is concerned. Now it's affecting your body. Mercy. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, don't despise. Mm. Humble beginnings. I prophesy according to that scripture, your letter end will increase. I say it will increase abundantly in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Even if you're driving a small car, your letter end will increase. You are living in a small house. Your letter end will increase. You are earning 10,000 shillings per month. Your letter end will increase. Shout a louder, amen. Number three, give time a chance. Give time a chance. 
I wish Ali Hafid remained at home, remained in his land, and worked tirelessly. I wish he stayed. I wished. He, I wish. I wish he was a little bit patient and just worked on his farm. Now this guy was not patient. This guy was quick to access diamonds. If he was patient, <clears throat> every showful, every effort, every hard work that he could have put in that piece of land would have exposed gems that he so desired. He just needed to be a little bit patient. He needed to also study minerals to understand how they look like in their raw form. Maybe he even saw it, but because of ignorance, he didn't know this is diamond. Just needed patience. Tell your neighbor you need patience. Yes, because diamonds are not on the surface. You need some digging. You need some work. You need some diligence. You need some commitment. Yes, you need to roll up your sleeves. You need to go to work for you to be able to discover acres of diamonds in your life. So he needed to be patient. To see, ladies and gentlemen, diamond in its original state is just carbon. In fact, I did a study and I realized that some of you, if you saw a diamond, you will not even know it. Because there are so many types of diamonds that we have. And they look differently. It is ugly. It's unattractive. In fact, if light is not shown on a diamond, you will not know it's a diamond. You can actually walk past it because of the way it looks. You might think it's just another rock. What transforms this raw material is the process of heat, pressure, and even time. It is this process that makes it to sparkle and radiate beauty. Without the light, you will not know that this is diamond. Without heat, without pressure, you will not know that this is diamond. It has to be subjected to a process for its beauty to come out. All of us, we are a diamond in the rough. It is the heat, it is the pressure, it is the process, it is the time that will reveal what we carry inside of us. The process, ladies and gentlemen, is a series of trials, a series of tribulations, a series of challenges. The process is a series of failures, a series of setbacks and stagnation. The process is a series of small successes and victories because this process is meant to refine and prepare you for what lies ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no shortcut to success unless you want a short-lived success. If you want a short-lived success, skip the process. But if you want long-term success, you've got to work. You have to give it time. You have to soil your clothes and work hard. Mining takes time. You have to go deep. You have to remove the dirt. You have to remove the soil. You have to sweat. And sometimes mining is dangerous. There are people who go to mine 
you know, all these precious metals and they never come back. I pray you will survive the process. In the name of Jesus. You know, there are people who sit in church and say, Pastor Anyoni, I wish he knew what I carry. Anyoni? Nina Kuona? See, I see you, you are there. I see you. But also I know you need to go through a process. Hallelujah. Some heat has to be applied on you. Some pressure has to be applied on you. Time has to come into play so that the beauty, the gifts, the talents, the treasure inside of you can be seen as well. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I started doing ministry in 1993. Some of you are not even born. Ask your neighbor, were you born? 1993. Huh? Actually, it's not even 1993 because I remember when I started participating in church work, music, and whatever, it was in actually 1990. Yes. My first instrument was the bass guitar in the church, playing. When I went to high school, I was still playing an instrument in that church. The pastor came to request for permission for us to be involved in the praise and worship. So we used to be given permission every Sunday to go to church to play an instrument with my brother, faithfully. Yeah? So I started a long time ago. I have gone through valleys. I have climbed mountains. I have seen things, things in ministry. I have seen people. I wish I was able to count. I have seen so many people in ministry. There are people we started with in the ministry, some of them backslid, went back to the world. There's a guy we used to play music with in the band. And we were very tight. He was almost like my brother. Very, very close. And we went to the same high school. So one time, he told me, I want to invite you for lunch in my house. I said, wow, that's a, that's a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful idea. I want to come. I want to come. When, when, when? Say, after, after the service. You come to my house. So after service, I went. And you see, when you're a bachelor, you know now that you have saved. At least lunch has been taken care of. So I went. So when I went, we were seated in his living room. So I'm telling him, hey, boss, where's the food? Because he was just giving me stories. I said, hey, boss, I didn't come here for stories. <laughs> you told me I'm coming for lunch. I said, yeah, lunch is coming. But I said, who is bringing the lunch? He said, you wait and see. I said, ah. He said, it's a surprise. I said, what kind of a surprise? He said, you wait and see. <laughs> a lady came from his bedroom with a lesser tied around his waist with food. He said, ta-da, surprise. I said, Well, she brought the food. I, I even lost appetite because I was confused. I was wondering what is going on. He said, you just eat. I will explain later. So I ate. Then he said, you know me, I, I got married. I said, boss, when? He said, ah, you know, we've been hiding, but I've decided to tell you first. I said, why are you telling me first? Go and tell the pastor. He said, no, no, no. I came to tell you, so you, you go and tell the pastor. 
It was a very difficult moment for me. All right? So I've been in the ministry for a while. I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen so many things in ministry. I've seen people give up. I've seen people compromise. I've seen people preach for money. I've seen people destroying churches. Let me tell you, it has been a process. To where I am today, it has been a process. I have seen things I should do, and I've seen things I should never do. It has been a process. You can't just wake up and say, Nikonamuito, I'm feeling fire. I am going. Mulolongo, you will see me. You're going with the Bible. <laughs> and you got saved last month. My friend, there are demons in Mlolongo. They will test you. They will test your faith. They will bring you down. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. All these years I've stood. I have seen warfare. There have been opportunities to quit. But I knew God is preparing me for something great. That's why I'm standing here before you. It's... <coughs> Look, it's not the suit, it's not the tie, it's not the shoe, it's the process. It's the process. It's the process. God has been working on me all these years. Celebrating 21 years in marriage is a process. It's a process. You know, yesterday, Pastor Dennis was telling the couples, ask your, cup, uh, your, your partner, you know, um, three things that you don't like about your partner and then you pray about it. I look at Pastor Mary, I said, I don't see any. I don't see anything that I can say that I want to pray that you may change. I've lived with you, I've lived with you for 21 years. I know you. I know how you're made. There are things I know about you that is you. That even if I fast for 51 days, dry fast. <laughs> God will not even answer that prayer. So what, what did I decide to do? I have accommodated you and I have loved you until those things don't bother me anymore. I don't even see them. I just love you the way you are. It's a process. But when you are two weeks in marriage, spending, mm, I don't like, no, 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 no. I don't, I, look, I don't like the way you cook. I don't like the way you make the bed. I don't like the way you shower. I don't like the way you talk. I don't even like the way you sleep. This day, when you get to 21 years, if somebody wants to sleep well, his leg is up. That is their problem. You, you want to go to bed and wake up in the morning. That's the most important thing. Is the, is the sleeping style the most important thing or it's your sleep that is the most important thing? <laughs> if they want to fall, they will just fall, wake up in the middle of the night, then come back to the bed and continue sleeping. And life goes on. Tell your neighbor, it's a process. It's a process. 
It's a process. Do you understand? And I can tell you, look, sometimes couples come to me, they have challenges, they're talking, and then ask them, how, how, how many years have you been married? So one year, and I'm feeling like this thing is not working. I'm like, <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet. It's a process. You go through a process, and the process processes you. And you get to a place where now, there are things that don't bother you anymore. You understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and she cooked food and then there was a lot of salt in the food. She said, oh, by mistake you added more salt. Oh, that's very unfortunate. What is our plan B? Let's go to B square. Boom, boom, boom. You eat. But three or four months in a marriage, the wife is coming. The guy tests the food. What is this? Did I marry a woman or I married a mad woman? It's because you have not gone through? You have not gone through? The process. Process is what unveils diamonds inside of you. All of a sudden you start to see the beauty the beauty of your potential, the beauty of your greatness, the beauty of your ministry, and even the beauty of your marriage. It's a process. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the days you don't feel like waking up, God is working. The day you feel like you know, nothing is happening, God is working. The day the diamond is in the dirt and nobody's mining it, God is working. The day you don't feel like you're progressing in life, you're stuck, God is working. Look at them and tell them he will complete the work. Come on, slap somebody and tell them, God will complete the world. Hallelujah. Are you excited to know that God will complete the work he has started in you? Oh, yes, he will. Then number four, the last one. You must snap back into your right senses. Snap back into your right senses. Senses. I borrowed this phrase from the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. This boy was living in acres of diamond. He had everything. He had a ring on his finger. He had garments. He had food. He had servants who were serving him. He had an excellent life. And then one day he started thinking, mm, I think there are diamonds out there. I think there is life out there. There is joy and excitement out there. There is something I'm missing. Even though my father has given me a ring, provided for me shelter, he has given me garments, he has given me food, there are servants who are working, you know, for me, but I think there is something I'm missing and is out there. And he told his father, Dad, thank you for being very good to me, but I need to go and search for diamonds. There is a certain dimension of happiness I have not attained. You have been restricting me too much. 
You have been curtailing my freedom for such a long time. It is time for me to be free. I need to spread my wings and fly. Because I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Think about it every night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. And told the father I have to go. It's not a song. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go out there. And the father say, okay, what do you need? Say, I need my inheritance. I need to go and explore the world. I'm told there are glittering diamonds out there that I've never seen before. And you know the story. He left and he went. He got out there. The Bible says he squandered his inheritance with rioters living. He was into money. Excitement, booze, and women wasted, squandered all his inheritance, searching for something that was not actually out there. Like Al Hafid, he became frustrated, started looking for a job. He got a job, and the job was to feed swines. And he was eating the same food. Swines are pigs. And while he was there doing all these things, he said, wait a minute. I was living in acres of diamond. My father has servants. There was food. There was shelter. There was enjoyment. He said, I cannot live like this. Let me go back to my father's house. And I would plead with him and tell him, Father, don't receive me as a son. Receive me as a servant. Because even the servants of his father, according to him, were living better than him as a son. And he had to go back. I thank God he came back to his senses. That's what the Bible says. That he came back to his senses. Ali Hafid did not come back to his senses. He decided to commit suicide. He could have said, let me go back to the guy who bought my land and be a servant there. Let me just work for him so that I can be able to feed my family. He reached a point of no return. But the prodigal son reached a point and he said, I have to go back. And he went back to his father's house. He went back to his former lifestyle. He went back to live in acres of diamonds, a place of perpetual provision. And his father received him. What did the father do? started restoring to him what he lost. Put a ring on his finger. Gave him new garments. Huh? Gave him some sandals. Slaughtered an animal for him. Said, my son was lost, but now he's been found. What this boy thought was out there, it was a mirage. It was an illusion. It was not true. What he was looking for was in his father's house. The father was rich. The father was wealthy. The father had all the diamonds that he went out there to search for. Ladies and gentlemen, I need to raise somebody here. Come back to your senses. 
Did you hear me? I need to tell somebody here, please come back to your senses. Swallow your pride. Come back to your senses. I need to speak to somebody who's listened to me. Come back to your wife. You left. Come back and say, I'm sorry. Come back to your children. What you left behind is where the acres of diamond is. Come back. There are people you left the church and went out there thinking you'll find gold, you'll find diamonds, you'll find pleasure. Come back. Come back. Swallow your pride. Don't be like Ali Hafid. He was too proud. No wonder he plunged into this river to die. Humble yourself. Be like the prodigal. He humbled himself. He said, Father, I have sinned before you and before the heavens. Humble yourself. Be broken. Because what you left behind is what you're trying to search for out there. And I'm telling you, you will not find it. It is where you left. Listen to me, your marriage has all that it takes to give you all the diamonds in the world. Your local church, your pastor, your C group. I'm talking to somebody here. Oh, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm tired, I'm hot, I'm frustrated, my life is not growing, I'm stagnant, I'm moving, I'm leaving, I'm going, I'm going to stay in the house and pray to God alone. No. What you're looking for is here. Is in that small group. What you're looking for, it is in that marriage enrichment program. What you're looking for, it is in the house of God. Come back to your senses. I say come back to your senses. I say come back to your senses. Because where you are, you are living in acres of diamonds. May God bless. Can we stand? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes. I want to see I want to see Open the eyes Open the eyes I want to see Open the eyes, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see I want to see Open the eyes, open the eyes. 
to see you high, to see you Tell God to open your eyes to see opportunities. Enter into prayer right now. Ask God to open your eyes to see opportunities, doors, privileges, giftings, treasures. In the name of Jesus, let Him open your eyes. Let Him open your eyes. Let him open your eyes to see, to see, to see. You will not be a grumbler. You will not be a complainer. You will see treasures. You will see treasures. You will see acres. Lord, open our eyes now. Open our eyes, Jesus. Because we want to see you. We want to see treasures. We want to see what you have given us. We want to see what is inside of us. We want to see the gifts and the talents that you've put inside of us, Jehovah God. Lift your hand and say, Father, I will not despise the treasures you've put inside of me. May my eyes be open to see great opportunities, the wealth, treasures, gifts, talents, opportunities that have been made available for me. Lord, help me to see acres of diamond that I'm living in that I may take advantage of these acres of diamond in my life in the name of Jesus. May my understanding be enlightened. May my eyes be open to see the diamonds, the blessings, the opportunities that you have ordained for me. In Jesus' name, we shout a big amen. Hallelujah. 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 Can we give God another mighty praise in this house? 
Hallelujah. And Father, I pray for anyone who has not discovered their treasure. May their eyes be opened right now. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, remove scales from their eyes. Remove the thick mass of darkness over their mind, over their understanding. May they comprehend what they carry. In the name of Jesus. May your blessing be activated over their lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.